welcome to the occasional, the extremely occasional everyday <laughs> novelist nano gang right through <laughs> that uh, I haven't even posted the first episode of yet because I've been so damn busy. You guys are going to wind up hearing this shit in December. <laughs> Nicole has been asking. Was, Nicole mm. was on my live recently and I was like, oh, you're our one fan. You've been asking. <laughs> yeah. You're the one who asked. So hi, Nicole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yeah, I've gotten a couple of emails from her. I need to need to reply so she doesn't think I'm dead. Yeah. Well. Anyway, we're we're trucking along. Um, we're doing our thing. It's just been it's just been crazy busy. So it has indeed. Some no- November is supposed to be a hard month, but this November has been amazingly hard. It is really tough. Yes, it's so a yes. really difficult November. I have to say. Yeah. For, I have to for... say, this November is making me be like, I don't think I ever want to do this again. But okay. <laughs> for my part, I'm in this new town, way the hell out in the middle of nowhere, and I've made friends with my neighbors and. Winter got here a month early, and so nobody has their snow tires on yet. So I keep getting called away to go pull people out of ditches, which shouldn't take long. But because it's rural places, there is hospitality rituals that must be observed. So, like, I'll go to pull someone out of the ditch, and I'll be like, oh, thank you. Let me buy you coffee. Come meet my family. Meet my pets i'll make you a cake let us sit and discuss everything about the universe for an hour or six and <laughs> they're all interesting people so you know of course i get sucked into it and it's probably great creative fodder for later but it has been getting in the way of getting to the computer for recordings and for writing mm. how about you what's going nuts about your november Oh, just uh, we have house guests and family and then lots of family out of town family. I don't have a big family. Well, I I didn't grow up with a big family. I should say I don't have a big family. I was going to say you've family. acquired a big one along the way. accidentally acquired an enormous <laughs> family. My mother has a habit of adopting people and strays. And now I and, have. And so do you. And so do I. Um, and so, yeah, now I now we have a. Um, essentially step sibs and nibblings and all sorts uh-huh. so it's becoming quite 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 chaotic um <laughs> yes and and uh yes there's been a lot of driving around and dealing with many familial or f- friendship associated emergencies similar to yours but in a different different context no i'm glad i'm not the only one <laughs> yes it's just been very busy very very busy that's all uh, usually I can be a grumpy recalcitrant writer type. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I, not I this one. Ex- yes, I think I've expended all of those chips and uh, <laughs> obligations have come to call. So, uh huh. Yeah, I hear that one. Oh, man. Well, um, so, how, we... how, yes, yes. How is your book going? So I just opened it up. I mean, I did have it open. I did do some dictation today, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I looks like I am behind. But I am at uh, twenty twenty two five ten. Eek! I have a long way to go to catch up. Um, yeah, but my little counter is showing that I now have to do eighteen k a day. So I. Mm. I I've clearly almost 19. So I've clearly missed it. I, I I did take a day off. So I do have some like 
technical sort of writingly nano related things to discuss and talk about. So do I. Around. Yeah. So do I. So yeah, this will be fun. But let me uh, get my word count in here too, because I have one. Woo! Oh so I've had a total of let's see, one, two, three, four writing days so far this month. I've only been able to get words down on four days, at least Ooh. for this. <laughs> I have I, I've sat down a few times and wind up writing poetry or hey, letters first time i've written poetry in a couple of decades actually yeah. and i still got it which is nice yeah. so you know so it'll show up sometime in in one of my new uh short story anthologies because i like to put poems in between the short stories but um i've got a total on this project of 5310 that's way more than you had. Dan. It is. That is a, yeah, I think what last time we talked, I had six hundred. Hundred, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've managed something. Mm-hmm. And I figured I, um, as part of this getting back on the horse and trying to do this regularly thing, one of the things I've been having to to do over from scratch is re-debug my process. Because, um, you know. When you're in the habit, you develop all sorts of little hacks. When you get blocked, you've got this, it's not an official checklist, but this list of things that you go through to figure out why you're stuck. And I have run, I've figured out a whole new reason I get stuck. It's brand new on this book. It's never happened before that I'm aware of. Oh my gosh, what is it? Don't keep us in suspense. So, all right. So probably because I've been writing so much nonfiction and, um, and I've been practicing just for the sake of uh, like um, for the sake of enhancing my communication ability when I write, I've been practicing the art of aphorisms for a couple of years now, just, you know, packing a lot into, you know, one or two sentences that, that sort of invite thought, that kind of thing. Well, I've gotten good enough at that, that I am getting blocked by it. I'm doing these ultra efficient storytelling dumps and I'm moving too fast through the plot. And so I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll do a storytelling dump. I'll get to an action scene. I hate writing action scenes because they're so tedious, but they've got to happen in an adventure story. Um, today I got half, I was halfway through a really intense action scene and my brain just said, Nope, no more, no more. Nope, nope, nope. It's not right. Nope. Not going any further. You get to figure it out. And I'm like, thanks a lot, brain. Turns out that the action scene didn't need any changing. What needed changing was there was a missing scene in the middle of the narrative sequence leading up to the action scene. So I went back. I found as I was reading it back through, I'm like, oh, here, this place is a place where there needs to be more. Not because there's anything missing per se, but because this leaves the reader reader wanting more investment in the characters, one of whom is about to die. So I broke it and I started writing and boom, 1500 words. I'm still, work, I'm still working on that break. So now I know when I stuck, the first thing I need to do is read back over the last two or 3000 words and find out what I skipped because I was, you know, I was on like the macro plot trail and I jumped over something that needs to be there or that I ran into, I ran to a place writing that requires more backfilling. Mm -hmm. So yeah. very interesting. Huh. 
Huh. How about you? Um, so I can't, it's been so long since we talked Dan. I can't remember what we talked about. Um, so me forgive, me, forgive me, everybody, if you're listening to this, like a hot on the heels of a previous episode, it's been I think like we've mostly, week, <laughs> yeah, I think we mostly talked about your travails where your travails and difficulties with dictation. Yes. And it does per persist. It's the bits I can't, I can't remember what I said about it, but so I persist in trying to dictate. Um, so I've done some things like dictated kind of lying down or not in my normal, not at my desk. So mm -hmm. to try and just stop myself from typing, um, I dictated in the bath the other night. <laughs> nice. So that was interesting. Um, you always get so, really relaxed when you're in water. So exactly. that must have worked. And the thought provoking happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it does. Um, the, the, the problem with the dictation when I'm can't go back and like correct it as I go along or whatever is the is it really exposes the flaws in the dictation software as mm. it relates to the way I speak and talk uh, um, yep. or the language I use or whatever uh so for those who who don't know I pontificate and I tend to <laughs> No, I, I tend to use larger words than I should. And then I'll go back like obscure, weird Vic Victorian words, no matter what I'm writing. <laughs> I, I tend do doesn't just to... happen when you're writing, my friend. Uh, thanks, darling. <laughs> um, That's why it's so fun to talk to you. And these are not words that like are used in everyday speech. And so a lot of dictation software is like, what? Mm -hmm. But it also inevitably picks the wrong there, there, there. It, it, it's really yeah, bad man. on oh. context. Mm -hmm. it, it has no intelligence in terms of predictive texting when it should. Like it mm -hmm. should know which there you're using most of the time and it just doesn't it just picks the most commonly used there which as far as dictation is concerned is t-h-e-y apostrophe -E, -E, right um which if you're writing third person which i do is the least commonly used one okay so <laughs> i gotta ask does the dictation software differentiate those three based on accents because i can hear how the one that someone's using is spelled in most okay accents. so this is something i've worked on so in knowing that some it has some of these flaws, I've tried to improve my diction mm. and articulation when I'm dictating some of those words. But no, it just defaults to certain. Those are homonyms, right? Is right. right. Yeah. It just defaults to the most common homonym. And it does. It's like it doesn't have the other ones in. Oh, God, that's so, annoying. So like it's is always going to be IT apostrophe S. There is always oh, going to be an oh. A-G-Y apostrophe R-E. And I just have to realize that I'm going to I'm going to look like an idiot for my copy editor and or I just have to go <laughs> in and correct them. But yep. Gail has gone backwards so far as homonyms are concerned, because uh, actually I'm pretty good on my homonyms mm -hmm. and other things that I'm really bad at. Um, And that is the opposite. Like much as I'm slagging it off, like my general spelling is way better right because right. i'm a terrible speller but when i'm dictating <laughs> most of the time the the it, it spells most things better than mm -hmm. i do it just gets the wrong words oh that's so, so annoying wrong words are a lot harder to catch because they don't have a squiggly red line under that right so it's kind of it's six of hat one half dozen on the other i feel like uh the copy editor i want to read leaning on a copy editors a lot a lot more uh -huh. uh, with this book than ever before so that's just that's just something i'm noticing about it so the other thing that happened is my hands started to go oh, um no. and 
which I was like, well, the point of dictation was to prevent that from happening. But what I kept doing was dictating like I was supposed to, but then going back and starting to correct something and then just starting to type. So I would be, I would be dictating half of the word count each time Mm -hmm. or thereabouts. Um, But because I was doing it every day, because this is nano, my hands were never getting rested. I, I didn't realize that my natural pattern as a writer is four days on three days off. And right. I didn't realize that that might not be accidental. That might actually be, be an adaptation, med- medical adaptation Wow. Yeah, um, that I had inadvertently picked up. Uh, yeah, very, super interesting because I didn't even realize I'd done it. But um, early, very early on in my career, and one of the reasons I left academia for being a full-time writer is actually because I got, but this is just backstory for anybody who cares, is I got a neurological disorder and from repetitive stress because I was working on a thesis and like pipetting acids and doing all this stuff all day long and then I would go home and then I'd write fiction and my hands were just like no my hands and nerves were like we we, we cannot we stop mm-hmm. um I remember so, the wrist braces you used to wear yes. at parties yep yeah so I used to I was permanently wearing uh, assistive wrist braces for a really long time and it was just forcing me to hold my hands in a particular way to type and stuff like that and I have since then and that was 14 years ago I've uh worn them to sleep my whole life since then mm-hmm. I basically just have to put on wrist places to sleep because otherwise I curl my wrists oh in. I hate that yeah uh-huh. and they get all numb and stuff yep. yes so anyway that I mean it, it is what it is but that that old thing started to come <laughs> back and I was like oh it is possible that I actually physically cannot do nano as ordered instead mm-hmm. i really need to take time take days at a time off and, and then just, really up my word hit, count yeah really hit hard on the other days yeah exactly um yeah. and that if i do do nano again uh, i will have to approach it that way uh unless i manage to excel in or at uh, mm-hmm. dictation in a in a strange and unusual way so yep. that was an interesting kind of learning process. So I'm learning, like, this is the cool thing about being a writer, right? Like you started out with you, it's always different. Every project's different. You always yeah. learn something. You always learn something new about your creative process. You always learn something new about your world building. Um, and then the other thing with this one is, and I the advice I always give to writers is, you know, don't stop, put the TK in, keep writing. Like, just do anything mm-hmm. to keep writing. Don't let yourself go down rabbit holes and research and... I am not taking my own advice. With <laughs> I keep having to stop to do research and it is genuinely like I can't write this character feature of the species that I'm creating if I don't mm. oh. pause and research uh-huh. some aspect of biology for a while. Yep. Um, because I'm building an entire like species essentially and they've never they've been mentioned in this series before but they've never really existed in terms of like my concrete understanding of their culture their mythology their biology all of these things and so i do keep having to pause to look things up and do things and mm-hmm. and so that is making it a little bit of a slower process than i would have liked as well um and then finally the other thing that the dictation is doing is it's definitely influencing my writing style Mm. So I think I might have mentioned this. Yeah, you mentioned that briefly. 
but now I'm paying closer attention to it. Um, so I'm a very strong dialogue writer. That's I lean on right. dialogue a lot. That's I'm dialogue heavy. Do you do the same thing that I do where you get into a dialogue scene and you just basically write the back and forth and then you go back and you add in all the stuff that people are Set doing? tags and active. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. what I do. Because I just see like these two. I know I <laughs> always say this. I know my characters so well that they just talk to each other in my head and I'm just spitting out what they're saying. I know right. exactly what they're saying. Yep. <laughs> Um, and so it's a matter of me keeping up. Um, yep. But I find it incredible. I'm not an actor of any kind, and I find it incredibly difficult to write dialogue out loud. Right. And so while I'm dictating, I keep dictating descriptives, which is not how I normally write. So this is a much more descriptive heavy book than it ever has been before. And there have been a couple of times where I have to go back in and be like, this descriptive is me talking about dialogue. I just have to put the dialogue in instead and then mm -hmm. i immediately start typing again and i'm like well this is it's it's just a weird irony i guess that the bits of my book that are spoken out loud i have to type and the bits of my book that are like <laughs> internal descriptive <laughs> narrator voice i'm fine dictating but oh nice like, that's, that's weird funny. and it's probably usual yeah it's probably because if I say it out loud, it doesn't sound the way those characters sound in my right, head. It sounds like me. Accent, different speech patterns, and yeah. Right. But when I'm doing the narrator voice, that's me. Like, right. I have a very strong narrator voice in all mm. of my stuff. The narrator is almost a, a presence that could talk yep. directly to the reader and has in some cases. Mm -hmm. um, and so that and that's just me. So that's fine. So 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 certain definitely certain bits so it's the opposite of normal for me so like i have an action scene right now with lots mm -hmm. of people are arriving and things are going on and there's family reunions happening and it's fine like it's going well and then suddenly people have to talk to each other and i'm like Ooh. and i'm like no no I'm not supposed to do that um so yeah it's definitely this is going to be probably my least dialogue heavy book of a really long it's probably going to end up being a longer book because of that as well because uh because uh the more description and the more like block bulk right. paragraph text you end up with the in the book the denser actual, longer it gets longer yeah. word count it is um so it's it's very interesting all around but the point of this project is that it wouldn't happen if i didn't given myself this sort of challenge to dictate mm -hmm. i probably would have been lazy and just you know, not written or stayed writing the nonfiction I'm working on right now. So I'm letting it do whatever it wants to do. And I'm letting it be weird and creative. And, um, you know, I've been running a, a weird experimental project uh, book that I put out recently for my fan base. And they've mm -hmm. been like, very excited about it and really happy with it, even though it's not, <laughs> even though it's weird. Um, and so I'm like, well, you guys keep allowing me to do strange stuff. So I'm going to keep doing it, apparently. There's two kinds of people that follow a writer, right? There's the people who the writer happens to be moving through their arena of taste. And then there's people who get hooked on the writer per se, and they get this charge out of watching the writer stretch and develop and do different things. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, so um, I'm really grateful that I seem to have more than normal of those in yeah. my reader base um because yeah they they've been great with this strange project and hopefully they'll be okay with this new one and also like as noticing recently so i have you know m 
mostly I'm kind of known for being a comedic author, but I wrote a recent uh, one of my Parasol Protectorate or Parasol Verse books mm -hmm. um, was way more you know, cerebral and kind of poignant and sadder. It's the book that make that most people cry in. Mm. Um, and it's this long form one, Ambush Rodor, which is, you know, it follows the relationship arc over an entire lifespan. And the two oh, characters nice. don't actually get together until they're in their 60s. Um, oh, cool. But they, I sort of, they sort of have this on and off again relationship mm -hmm. since they're mm -hmm. kids. Um, and one of them just sort of waits for the other one to finally nice. settle knowing that he's probably going to be waiting for her for a really long time nice. um, and sort of contents himself with that and it's it's you know it's the usual writer thing of me being older and just thinking mm -hmm. about the nature of affection and how affection evolves and the nature yep. of romance and love and I also wanted to write older characters mm -hmm. getting a happy ending even if it's very hard fought so mm -hmm. it's it's really tonally different from a lot of my other stuff. Um, but it is it is the it has the highest number of reviews and the highest rating reviews of any of the spin-off novellas or short or mm -hmm. um, novels that I've written in this universe. Um, so I'm kind of like it, yes, people complain that it makes them cry all the time, but also <laughs> clearly they're okay if I decide to write right. stuff that's not slapstick and comedic all the time. So yep that also is sort of giving me license and letting mm -hmm. me relax into the fact like I, I as a control freak i would be tempted to be annoyed that my own style is being influenced by the fact that i'm trying to right. train myself to use a new technology mm -hmm. but but i'm kind of sanguine about it i'm kind of like all right let's see let's see what comes out the other side let's let's see what happens so yeah. that's where i am with the dictation yeah that lifespan thing you mentioned is interesting because i've noticed that on a couple of the projects I've been noodling at this year. Uh, the one that I started on our last Nano, which is about half done now. I keep I keep having to peck at it for a little while, then go away and think for a long time, mm. and then come back and peck at it for a little while. There's, But that one and, a, and another project, it's not that they're it's not just that they're not books i couldn't have i could have written earlier because you know we always write the book we can write now right yep but the there's a texture that is emerging in the book that could not have come from a younger writer mm -hmm. i know um, exactly what you're talking about which i I wish I had better words to discuss it because it seems like a really fertile topic. I think you're agreed. I think texture was a very good word for it. Yeah, but I know exactly what you mean. And I would say that there are like the um, the Tinker Star Song books, which is the a trilogy that I just that I finished last year mm -hmm. that's kind of out right now. That one is very kind of present and germane and it's very informed by the the topics that interest me right now and the world right now and certain mm -hmm. things I've noticed about the world um but I could have written it at any point I think in the last 10 years I feel mm -hmm. like that one is sort of very me very kind of modern and chirpy but ambush or adore the one I was previously talking about yep. the one that's sad I could not have written 
like absolutely i couldn't have written it until way more recently there's this thing i actually now that i think of it i i reread lord of the rings last month first time in 20 first time in 20 years uh wow talk about a different experience reading it in your 40s than it is in your (laughs) 20s um i i read it first time when i was eight and i read it every three years up until i was 20 and then i was like well i've gotten what i can out of this and i circled back around to it last month just for the hell of it totally different book Mm. the but something jumped out at me that i had been aware of in younger reads but i hadn't really appreciated the depth to which it makes the whole book and that's the the comfort with loss and sorrow being an integral part of love and beauty Mm. and that's something you can only get from an older writer and that's one of the pieces of the texture that i'm noticing in these other books that I'm writing that I couldn't have written at a younger age. Yeah, and there's also, and again, like you, I would struggle to figure out how to articulate this property. Look, we're writers, we're not talkers. Um, <laughs> well, don't we, don't, we are talking quite true, but we yeah, really are <laughs> um, but but yeah, like sometimes we need to needle until we noodle, noodle a needle on a thing until we get the right word, but mm-hmm. there's also a even if you have a very strong voice that hasn't shifted too much over the years, which mm-hmm. you and I both have, you know, depending on genre and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, there is a way to deploy the English language yeah. that in some cases as a fiction writer is actually informed having written nonfiction. Oh, um, that's true. I hadn't thought that, about that. That comes with maturity that like really is the hallmark of simply having written that many words after a yeah, certain and right we're, we're both north of what three or four million words now exactly and it just gives you a way of sentence structuring yep. and also a way of not worrying about it about how the sentence is going to come out just just mm-hmm. knowing it'll it'll happen that like you'll have osmosed all of these things like mm-hmm. shorter sentence sentence structures and fight sequences and yep. and it it's just going to spit out that way um and, and then and then when sometimes it doesn't it works well anyway exactly it's, it's as if um you used to do dance way back when right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much. um you know when you're first learning a dance particularly a dance routine you're focused on the individual moves execution mm-hmm. you're, it's the execution and you can do really well but that's a whole different thing than watching someone who doesn't even think about the execution and just inhabits their body and you know what it's like their focus goes somewhere else and everything and the execution flows from that and it's sometimes less technically perfect than a younger, more technically focused dancer, and yet there's a lot more to it. Yeah, it's it's called to it's the storytelling of the dance, but it's also called fluidity in dance mm-hmm. terminology. But actually, I think it more it might be a little bit more like acting. Now, I have acted. I'm not an actor, but I have acted. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing like a reoccurring, I've heard people talk about this. If you're doing a reoccurring long term role on Broadway or something, yep. Um, it's like you aren't there anymore. You just go right. up on the stage and it just happens. Mm-hmm. And the there can be moments where actually if you s- somehow start thinking about the lines, you f- you're it gonna, up. You're gonna mess it up and forget them. Yep. Exactly. 
Um, and so the point is actually to be in that kind of fugue state. Yeah. Um, and Where I you're think, completely unselfconscious and you're just living it. Yes. And I think literary writers perhaps are different from us genre writers, but definitely when you get to a point where you know your genre so well, you know your own voice so well, you've had the millions of words down on the page, you do get to this point where um, you stop worrying about the act of writing anymore. Yeah. And it's and, just a story you're telling. And then, because you know you can fix it later, you can worry about it later. But also mm -hmm. there's a part of you that's like, when I worried about this in the past, it turned out not to be a problem. Yeah. And so I don't have to, like that hind brain also just turns yep. off. And what's weird is that even in projects like the one that I'm doing now, which is frankly not the kind of book I want to be writing right now, <laughs> I'm in a completely different emotional and uh, personal headspace than this book calls for. You know, so it's between that and being out of the habit, I'm sort of bumping along the runway. Mm -hmm. And yet, even as I'm bump, bumping along the runway, I'm not experiencing the self-consciousness that I would have gotten in a younger book doing the same kind of thing. Instead, it's like I write a little bit and then I'm like, eh, it's not working. And so I wait. And yeah. then the next bit eventually comes. Instead of stressing out about, well, okay, what did I imply three paragraphs back that I can develop on now? Yeah. It's like... um getting to that point with familiarity with cooking for example yes. where you're like i don't have that sauce that recipe calls for that sauce but you know what i just know that i can combine <laughs> these two sauces mm -hmm. and add a little and add a little sugar and it'll yep. almost be the same thing and it'll be fine you know like mm -hmm. yeah whereas newer cooks are are always like what's the exact recipe and eventually <laughs> you get to like the victorian cookbook state of cooking where it's like yep cook it until it's done and you're like yep. fine i got it i know what the smell of What's done exactly is or whatever or, right? or the okay. sound that pasta water makes when the pasta is done exactly it's a specific sound exactly. you wait too long the sound changes and you know it's overdone yep exactly and you yeah it, yeah that's exactly and also you know if you overcook it you could just do it again right yep. <laughs> that's the other thing is um and i think that yeah i think you do get to that place with writing as well where you're just like, it's it's not even like I trust myself. It's just I trust the process. Yep. So I don't have to think about the process that, that much. Now, I'm thinking about the process quite a bit more than normal because of this dictation thing. Mm -hmm. But also, I'm like, meh, if it doesn't work, you know what? I've retired Big books deal. before, right. Yep. right? Like, whatever. <laughs> yep. And, there, and I don't know if you've got these, but I've got these books that I've retired several times and then I've grown up enough or grown into them enough to come back to and I finished them yeah um, I've never I don't anymore I don't ever leave a book incomplete like no mm -hmm. matter what I need to finish it to the end yep. but it, 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 sometimes so I'm sometimes done with it for now but I'm never really done with it until it's done mm. yeah I, I mean I, for me at this juncture I, it's retiring books because I think they're too off-brand and I'm not mm. sure um or yeah. I know, or it needs such a big rewrite. Right, that you're you just don't want to do well, it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to climb back into that world at this moment in time. And what's interesting is you and I have been doing this so long, not just as professionals but as hobbyists, as kids, that we're hitting this point in the craft cycle. At the same point, we're hitting all the interesting stuff that middle age brings to life perspective. Mm. And so they're both sort of playing in at the same time 
Do you think this, I think this might happen to a lot of writers though. I feel like it might. Yeah. There's a lot of, I'm thinking about some of my favorite writers who kind of change tonally or sort of hit yep. their stride in a different uh -huh. way, kind of yep. in their late thirties, early forties. Yep. Yep. Um, Where it's almost like a different, it, it's almost like a different writer when they were 20 than when they were 45. Exactly. And you can, you can hear the same voice. But the concerns are different. So even when they're telling the same kind of story, yeah, the, the emphasis is different enough that it's it's like the difference between um, a rock and roll and an operatic rendition of the same theme. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And also, like, I didn't always like these books when I was in my twenties uh -huh. reading this author. I wonder if now I should go back and reread some of those that I were written. Find it. I've found I, I've been doing that this year and I've found that I have a lot more access to stuff that was just blowing right by me or that I thought was uh -huh. weird in like weird in ways I couldn't articulate. And yeah, now I'm just, like, oh, I get it. Right. Or it wasn't germane to your life state. Right. right? He, he is implying something, uh, implying a common understanding of human nature or the universe or whatever that I now have access to being the age I am. And I mm -hmm. didn't at the time. And I read it and I'm like, what the fuck are they going on about? Yeah. Nobody thinks about that stuff. And you're like, no, no, actually, people do. You just mm -hmm. don't because you're the wrong age for it. That's, that's right. An and and, and precocity. And precocity was no was no salvation for that for me when I was young. No. I was no. super precocious intellectually, philosophically. It there's there's something that experience brings. Yeah. That that it's a whole different dimension. I think I mean I, I think about this a lot in terms of like the generations and um you know, putting aside kind of generational differences and mm -hmm. thinking just in terms of sort of life state differences. Yeah, I, I've talked. I talk about this when I was talking about uh, YA quite a bit, which is um, there's a selfishness to childhood as a state yes. of being, yep. regardless of what culture you come from, because that's how kids survive in part, yes. right, is mm -hmm. they are entirely dependent upon other human beings and therefore they must be selfish. Yep. And so one of the sort of Bildersham on coming of age narrative journeys mm -hmm. is the self leaving behind the selfishness of childhood and understanding the responsibility of adulthood in yep. terms in in various different terms whether that is yep. a responsibility to the greater good or society or a or an independence in terms of yep. responsibility to yourself and figuring out your place in the universe mm -hmm. or finding your your friendship group you know like mm -hmm. learning how to use your magic whatever yeah. that journey Lear is. or in a lot of cases in a lot of my favorite ones learning the difference between making yourself happy and earning your own respect right uh, the cons the very concept of sort of like honor and glory and self-sacrifice and why you would do that and right. the nature of the self as contrasted to the other mm -hmm. um which kids almost don't have a concept of otherness right. when, they when, have when only... are, yeah when kids are self-sacrificing they're they tend to be um directly analogizing the other to themselves exactly exactly and when an adult engages in some aspect of self-sacrifice it's a whole different experience but also a, a child only understands context in terms of their own experience of it right, right? they cannot see their parents as individuals they only see yep. a parent as a parent right it, they only right. see that person and how they relate directly right which is why one of the one of the most uh upsetting for a lot of people 
phases of coming of age is learning to see your parents as the humans that they yeah. are. Yeah. Because they stop being gods. Yes. Good, whether they were good or bad parents, in in some way they're they're little gods. And then when you grow up, you have to kind of kill God to get to know the person. Mm -hmm. And and it can be it can be scarring. Like if, yes. if learning about that person is through you know discovering that your father is having an affair or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, all that to say, is, and then and then you have the sort of like teen insanity that is teenager dem and the early twenties, <laughs> and yep. then you have thirties. You know, like I do feel like there's sort of these sort of stages of humanity in terms of your age, and often it's kind of the result. So we're now sandwiched when we're in our forties, whether we have children mm -hmm. or not. You have like a tremendously higher level of social responsibility in yep. terms of you're taking care of your elders and you're taking care of juniors, whether however that's driving out. Pull neighbors out of the ditch. Exactly, you're taking care <laughs> of neighbors, um, and that's just sort of part of this life space. But I do think that there's sort of a philosophical evolution that's going on, and yeah. to bring this back around to what we're talking about with the way writers change the course of their lives, I think you get tired, but mm. you also get way and I'm tempted to call it lazy, but I don't think it is. But you you get way more relaxed, at least unless yes. you get disenfranchised. You get way more relaxed about ideology. Yes. Um, and, and just like, like, I just, I don't feel the need to fight my corner as much as I once did yep. about pretty much anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just, like, it just doesn't, nothing weirdly seems that important important no. yeah. it, it's gone for me it's gone from a matter of existential importance to a matter of peripheral entertainment precisely no that's a great way of putting it and partly that is because we got to go pull neighbors out of ditches like there's an yep. immediacy to life right now but yep. but in a way this makes you start to think morally in and ethically in terms of grayscale even more yes and like you're very much ideological ideological and idealistic in your even if you're emo or gothic mm -hmm. or disenfranchised or nihilistic you're yep. there's still an ideology going on here and yep. you're way more likely to see things in black and white even if you are like we are dilettantes and philosophical yep. and all of these things in your 20s and in your early 30s and then you just get grayer about everything yeah i mean i don't know if you've had this experience i know we have a common background as nihilists um I have found that one of the weird ways that's developed for me is I have a greater tolerance and sympathy for people who aren't nihilists. Hmm. <laughs> for me, it's it's often manifest in terms of like sort of skepticism and atheism, because those were two of my kind yep. of like. Mine too. What's the word I'm looking for? Grandstands? I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um the, big the, defining ideas the things i would take the the stances i would take in debate you know yep. <laughs> but um but now i've just like it's not that i don't necessarily still believe in those things for lack of mm -hmm. a better word uh belief seems <laughs> <laughs> too big of a word but it, it's more that that i'm just like there's a part of me that's like i need those things they're part of my core identity mm -hmm. people who are super religious or spiritual or whatever they need those things too yep. you know like whether it's true or not is this big unanswerable question that maybe we'll right. figure out when we die it's whether but, you can like, make meaning from it or not that really matters and whether it helps you to survive and yep. live a happier more contented life yep 
like if if what you think or you believe is negatively impacting you and making you miserable, then that's the point <laughs> at which maybe you should re-examine it. Yeah, exactly. But if I'm happy with the state of being where I have grown to almost enjoy the idea of just dying and being eaten by worms or whatever, um, <laughs> and that there's no afterlife, like that kind of that kind of gives me I'm I'm pleasantly pleased by this notion. Mm -hmm. Um, and so. Uh, so coming, no, I, don't need to, I don't need to care what other people think or or, or anything. Yeah, I mean, coming coming as I did from a religious background before I um, became an atheist, I still find the lack of an afterlife to be a little annoying <laughs> because I love life, right? Mm. But um, but that's you know that's it's like it's one of those things. It's it's kind of like you know the neighbors you know, the neighbor a quarter mile away is playing music that I can barely hear. It's a little annoying. But, you know, it's I don't I no longer um, begrudge those who find that uh, who find that annoying music to be essential to their lives. And mm. in, in fact, I kind of get it, even though I don't need it. Yeah, exactly. There's a sort of um, understandingness. I don't know, again, a language, but there's a sort of understanding to like the the needs and wants that other people have mm -hmm. that are esoteric or quirky or whatever and this yep. this leaks into our characterization yeah. also right like i do think like as you mature as a writer your characters get a lot more complex i have noticed nuanced that. yep because this is layering in this kind of mm -hmm. understanding of humanity for that and humanity's isms yep and the way as my father has always said as you age you turn into a caricature of yourself which is like all of the things that are annoying about you just become more annoying and all of the things that are awesome just become more awesome but it's true because you get better at the awesome things and you stop giving a shit about the annoying things uh -huh. Uh -huh. but yeah it's uh the um that's what it, you, you're dancing around something it's uh let's call it a sense of sufficiency mm. that yeah that what whatever it is that whatever it is that you're operating under it works okay and the fact that it works okay is actually good enough it doesn't have to be perfect anymore you know what i used to call this i call this the pivot for from i used to call this the pivoting from hunting for happiness to hunting for contentment mm. or being like i've always drawn a distinction between the two you know like and there yep. comes a point where the cozy is is good the cozy mm -hmm. is what you're into not the euphoria yeah. we all turn into hobbits <laughs> so we start out as surfers and turn into hobbits exactly um but exactly. yeah it, it's the it's the distinction between um between uh the uh the greek hedon uh, hedonic happiness and eudaimonic happiness mm -hmm. right uh what aristotle yes. called the exercise of vital powers along lines of excellence in life affording them scope that doesn't guarantee mm -hmm smiley happy thrill a minute or you know great hedonic bliss what it does yeah. guarantee when you chase that is that you're satisfied with the way that you're moving through the world yes satisfaction yeah yeah well we got we got um unexpectedly philosophical <laughs> everybody um it's been way too long since we've done this it's, this is the way dan and i are when we take long uh drives together uh, just gonna say this is like window. being on a road trip we gotta yeah. we gotta do another road trip <laughs> you guys just had a window to dan and i on a road trip <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good place to end it for today i suppose 
but um, you know, when, um, go ahead. If any of these are generating questions for you, send them in. And if I start posting these before the end of the month, we'll answer them together. And if not, maybe I'll be able to tempt Gail back to oh, do well, it. Always. I'm always happy to come back. Yeah, we, will, we could definitely do some some extension into December or January if necessary. No worries, everybody. Just ask what you want to ask. Indeed. Indeed. Until then, we'll. I won't say we'll see you tomorrow because uh, <laughs> we won't, but <laughs> we'll see you before too awful long. And you know what? We're pretty relaxed about it. It'll we all are. be yeah. all right in the end. Yep, uh, because we're getting old and we're okay with that. And we're okay with that. <laughs>